0: red marina walks her life asleep she
1: never looks above her feet she never smiles nor does she speak life she has
2: And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar The Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, The Poppy Family with There's No Blood in Bone. And today on the Nardwar The Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Terry Jacks from The Poppy Family also from The Chessmen, and also of solo rock and roll Seasons in the Sun, Concrete Sea fame. Terry Jacks on the Nardwar The Human Serviette radio show. I mentioned another band that Terry was in was called The Chessmen from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we're going to hear right now a track from about 64 or 65 called There's No Blood and Bone, an early version of The Poppy family. It was actually before the Poppy family, but you can hear their interpretation of There's No Blood in Bone, written by T-Jax, Terry Jax, who's on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show today, The Chessman. There's No Blood in Bone.
3: This metal lens thing and you know like all these people at the UBC just love this metal lens and this and guy was just flying He was playing great guitar and so we're gonna record metal lens. so we went down to the only recording studio in town Robin Spurgeon's Vancouver sound or Vancouver recording mm-hmm. and we recorded this stuff the reverb we used uh, well guy used his sound that he had on his guitar but the rest of the reverb was done through this great big long hose yes. they didn't have any uh, electronic uh, echoes or reverbs or anything. It was all done through a long, long hose with a microphone at one end of the hose.
2: And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there, The Chessman, featuring Terry Jacks with Love Wouldn't Die. And before that, Meadowlands by The Chessman. And before that, There's No Blood in Bone by The Chessman. And to begin the show, The Poppy Family with. There's no blood in bone. Coming up, an interview with Terry Jacks from The Chessmen, The Poppy Family, and Seasons in the Sun, highlighted fandom. I.e., you got to highlight the fandom when you think about the Seasons in the Sun. Because the fandom was about 13 or 14 million copies of the Seasons in the Sun 7-inch that sold in like 74 or 73. Numbers are never really my great forte. However, with Terry Jacks, he sure churned them out. So coming up right now, an interview with... Terry Jacks. But before that, we're going to hear something from the Poppy family again. Here's Beyond the Clouds, recorded in 1968, and in an interview with Terry Jacks on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio sh- Show. Who are you? <clears throat> sh- 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 uh, 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 sorry, excuse me. Uh, uh, show.
3: are you? Who am I? I am a Terrence
2: Ross Jacks. Terry Jacks. That's me. (laughs) And right off the bat, Terry Jacks, I was curious. Do you have a suit that was custom made for Hendrix? How do you know this stuff? That's weird. Yeah. No, it wasn't made for
3: Hendrix. It was made for um, Keith Richard and I bought it in Soho and it's um, purple um, leather with fringes and everything, but um, it was too big for him, and it just happened to fit me at the time because I was—I uh, didn't, you know—I was lighter in those days, and uh, it's in—it's on the back of a CD with um, a, a poppy family thing of me wearing it, and I wore it on stage sometime. But it's a purple leather; it's really cool. Did you ever talk to Keith about that at all? Never, no, I never met Keith. <laughs> What's John Lennon though? Anyway, um, he came up when I was recording once in um, New York. Did the Poppy family keep the Beatles off the charts in New York? Yeah. You know a lot of stuff, don't you? <laughs> this is weird. Usually I get the same old questions. Um, yeah. Um, which way are you going, Billy? Kept the long and winding road out of number one on ABC New York. It uh, They made a big deal about it. And the disc jockey there, he was... Um, you know, really upset about all that. No, no, that was Seasons in the Sun. I'm sorry. That's another story Uh, on WABC, New York. No, I did. uh, um, Which Way You going, Billy kept um, Long and Winding Road out of number one. Did you talk to the Beatles
2: about that? Did you talk to John about that? Was he angry?
3: John was my favorite Beatle. Um, No, but um, I did a song called I'm Gonna Love You Too, a Buddy Holly song, because uh, uh, Buddy was my uh, mentor. And... um, McCartney bought uh, all Buddy Holly's old um, uh, publishing company. And Norman Petty, for me, he was the one that sold it to uh, to um, Paul. And he said that Paul loved the version. He thought it was as good as the original, which really, to me, was quite a quite a compliment, you know.
2: Back to Hendrix, Guy from the Chessmen. your band, the Chessman, your early band. Did he sell a guitar to Jimi Hendrix? I don't think so. I, I never heard that story um a white fender
3: you know i don't know you'd have to ask guy because i don't know that's uh another strange question <laughs>
2: did you ever meet Jimi hendrix because you know he played in vancouver quite a bit you know living here as a child did you ever meet him or did you ever see him at the smiling buddha no i never did but i ate at his mom's i think his mom's
3: restaurant you know i used to eat there all the time you know that little corner thing i drove by it today on the corner of Maine and. Maine and Gores? I know, it's Maine and Pacific or something because it used to be a great spaghetti house in there and then they turned it into, I think, a Jimi Hendrix um, museum or something. Now it's all got bars and everything around it. But um, no, I never met Jimi Hendrix.
2: What was it like eating there? You ate back then and you got food from his grandmother? What was the food like?
3: It was incredible. It was the best spaghetti in town. I was a kid then, you know, I was 16, 17 years old and it was a place to go. It was cheap and it was really good.
2: I want to ask you about your early band, the Chessmen, right here. What do you remember about this, Terry Jacks? Rodeo a go go with the Chessmen. Unbelievable. Where did you get this? This is so
3: weird. This this is this was in uh, that was in Williams Lake. Oh golly, we had beer bottles thrown at us, um, and I remember our drummer at the time. He used to be. Ted Lewis and then he changed his name to Duris Maxwell and we were in this little hotel and there was all these guys s- sitting down on the on the sidewalk with hats on and, and all that and we'd been drinking a little bit ourselves and I had a fishing rod so uh, Ted Lewis at the time and I, I got my fishing rod down and I was hooking it onto their hats and, and bringing their hats up from the sidewalk but this was a,
2: a, a crazy place in those days, Williams Lake Rodeo Rodeo-a-go-go. Where did you get this? The Treasures from Neptune Records, where we are right now. And another question for you, Terry. This particular gig in Esquimalt with your band, The Chessmen. There you are, The Chessmen. Can you point yourself out to the people? Where am I? Oh, there I am.
3: <laughs> we all look the same. No, that's me right there. Oh, they've got The Way You Feel. It's supposed to be The Way You Fell. <laughs> it's nice they did some promotion, though. They got Yeah, it was... Um, the exciting sounds of the Chessmen, boy, that's a long time ago.
2: Touring with the Chessmen, your first band. Do you remember playing in Nashville at all with the Chessmen?
3: Ooh, wow! No, we went down there um, and recorded. We recorded two uh, singles down there. I was a good friend of uh, Brenda Lee and her manager, and they got us a contract with Mercury Records. So we did. Uh, or two uh, records down there it was great we used to, we'd we all sleep in one room and there were cockroaches I'm not kidding they were 4 or 5 inches long I've never seen cockroaches like this so we found the holes where they were coming from and you put shaving cream Now, how do you know that who, who do you talk to <laughs> well you're Terry Jacks we have to know holy cow okay <laughs> and we clogged the holes with shaving cream you know and they'd
2: come right through there and uh, we'd see a cockroach with shaving cream on its back. But what do you, who told you that? You're Terry Jacks. We have to know. I was curious, though. The Poppy family playing in Detroit. Do you remember a gig in Detroit where there was a gunman on the roof?
3: This is the strangest interview I've ever done. I've, I don't know how you know this stuff. I mean, like, I should have put this stuff in the booklet, you know, some of this stuff. Because it's kind of funny, interesting. Funny. I even forgot about it. Yeah, we were playing in Detroit. Um, we had a number one record, CKLW, at the time. And so we crossed the border, and we're in the U.S., and it was outside. And there were thousands of people there. And we were uh, quite a white group, and it was a, a black audience. And this one guy jumps onto stage, and he had a gun. He wasn't going to shoot us. I didn't know what he was doing. But, um, yeah, that is – that's I, I remember that. It was scary because I figured, like, we aren't a blues group. We're kind of a soft rock
2: group, you know. This was the Poppy family. <laughs> Meadowlands with the Chessmen was on Jordan Records. You had a stateside release on Jordan. Did you play much in Seattle? Do you ever get a chance to see or play with the Sonics or the Whalers, the Seattle scene? No,
3: but I remember going down lots of times and seeing these guys, you know, in little halls and stuff playing, the Wailers. Um, but um, we never played with them, no.
2: You had a song called Twist and Shout that you sometimes change to twist and pull? No, that was on our last gig. Uh, no, this
3: is the last gig we were ever going to play, and we changed the words to all the songs. And they were, they, they, we said they were, the words got a lot worse than that, even.
2: <laughs> it was very Animal Housean, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> yes, it was. Very much so. <laughs> That's my favorite comedy movie. <laughs> Terry, how long did you have an afro? You had an afro for quite a few years, didn't you? I don't know. I just. My hair just grows out and out and out. And it still is like that, but it just turns whiter and whiter. I didn't mean it to be an Afro. It just was... Um, It, it really grows.
2: Did you really cut Satwant Singh's hair with a fishing knife?
3: Could you explain about this? Unbelievable you know these... I could get killed for this, you know. His dad wanted to kill me. His dad was a Sikh priest. But... um, me a bit of background from your band, The Poppy Family. Yeah, well, Satwant, he was a... Um, He was from India, and he uh, had a turban, and he had long hair. He was a tabla player, and he was magnificent tabla player, one of the best, great guy too. So I was out fishing with my best friend, uh, and him, and we were up fishing uh, off Powell River, and then we went swimming. And, you know, he had taken his turban off and his hair was down to his knees. And he got back and he says, I hate this hair. It's killing me. It is, you know, it it, it was so much weight, you know, from the salt water and all this, you know, I get a headache, you know, every time I wash my hair, I got to dry it and all this kind of stuff. And so anyway, um, I, he said, I said, well, cut it off then, man. You know, like, um, oh no, I can't cut it off. I can't cut it. So he said, you cut it off. And I says, I don't want to cut it off. You know, like I'll, you know, but he says, well, cut it off. Come on, cut it off. So he was the one that instigated it. It was not me. I did it for him. So, you know.
2: With a fishing knife.
3: With a fishing knife. Well, we were, you know, we were uh, filleting, uh, you know, uh, herring for bait, you know. So like, <laughs> so I don't know what he did with the hair. I don't know what we did with that hair. But it wasn't me who wanted to do it. Sat wanted to do it. Okay.
2: Terry Jackson, I want to ask you about this picture by Alex Fine. Can you tell the people what is going on here? Holy cow. Wow.
3: This is supposed to be a, a picture of me, I guess. And this looks like... Um, Can
2: you explain to the people what is going on here, perhaps? This? Well, I've never seen this picture. But this looks like Kurt Cobain. It is. Is it?
3: And this looks like it's supposed to be me. And I'm trying to figure out who this is.
2: And that's Jacques. Jacques Brel? Is it really? Yeah, because if you turn it over, what do you see? Wow. Wow.
3: Isn't that unbelievable? Holy cow. Well, Seasons in the Sun was originally called uh, Le Moribon. It was about a dying man. And it was written by Jacques Brel, and it was in French. And it was a funny song. It was done in a March tune like... Um, dum 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 and it was about a dying man who was dying of a broken heart because his best friend was screwing his wife and uh he so he was saying oh he's dying of a broken heart he said goodbye to his best friend he said goodbye to his priest and his unfaithful wife francois and um but it it was a tongue-in-cheek song and jacques Brel. I became friends with Jacques Brel. I ate dinner with him and all. You know, he just before he died, actually, about a year and a half before he died in Paris. I ate with him in Belgium, actually, in Brussels. And um, so the record was translated, I think, by Rod McEwen or something, with the same words of this old man dying of this broken heart. Jacques Brel, by the way, wrote it in a whorehouse in uh, Tangiers. You probably knew all this because you know everything. Anyway, <laughs> and so... Um, when i had something in 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 my life i don't want to get into that really something that i could relate to in personal about i thought like wow this is a what about a young person you know like who's dying and in in that time it was leukemia and because um there were no bone marrow transplants in those days 45 years ago so he was dying actually dying and you know and, and, and i was told by him that he was gonna die and i couldn't believe it he was but he died four months later i thought he was gonna you know he thought he had six months and he had to tell his father and his girlfriend so i rewrote the song changed some of the melody and uh, but i wanted to keep it in a happy rhythm because it was such a, a downer song and uh, so i did seasons in the sun and i um Started it off with a. I didn't know how to start it off. I wanted to do a hooker line, and I had my acoustic guitar, and I was just sort of whamming it. I was going blom blom, and I just there were two open strings. It went blom, and I said oh. and then I went up on the on the uh, you know second fret uh, on the A string. I went blom blom blom. And then I just played an A chord, blam, so it went blam, 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 blam. And I said, man, that would sound good on my telly with a little bit of vibrato on it. That would be really neat because it sort of sets this mood for the song. And then I'll double it with an electric bass, you know, with lots of treble on it, something, and try and get a sound. I I thought it would be a good intro, a good little um, thing to set the song up. So that's... All that. I probably said too much, did I? Or- no, that
2: was amazing, but maybe you could tell the people what exactly is going on here in this amazing Alex Fine illustration. Maybe okay. you could say. Now- your, your interpretation, Terry Jacks. This is Jacques Brel, through spirit almost,
3: whispering to me about the song, and then Kurt Cobain, unbeknownst to me, I got an interview, you've probably heard it. It's one of his last interviews by these two um, uh, girl disc jockeys out of Washington, D.C. And in it, he said that the first single he ever bought was Seasons in the Sun, and it used to make him cry. And then this is Kurt Cobain, you know? And uh, you wouldn't think that that was it. And um, so I'm probably whispering to him or something. They recorded the song uh, uh, eventually, but it was sort of weird words and everything. It was, I think it was on their last album, was it? You'd know more than I do. It was on the box set. Yeah, it was something like that. And, But it, I, I had heard it, and um, it was really weird. And then he said, um, uh, also on the uh, interview, he said that, um, oh, one of his songs, Come As You Are, is that it? Or it's Come As You Go. What is it? Come, as, Come you as You Are. He said, yeah, I sort of got an idea from Jack's board, the sort of, you know, uh, bomb, part of like the seasons, bomb, bomb. And Where Evil Grows, another song I'd written, uh, you know, bomb, 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 bomb. So it was a combination, blah, 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 blah. Well, it was sort of, he said, I I put those together for the sort of the uh,
2: rhythm or something in that song, Come As You Are. I actually interviewed Chris Novoselic of Nirvana, and he actually said, quote, Terry Jacks rocks. And I notice you've been doing a lot of blogs, Chris. You mentioned Black Flag and stuff, but you haven't mentioned your favorite Canadian of them all, Terry Jacks and Seasons in the Sun.
4: Oh, man. I ha- you know what happened? Like, and as DJ Kano and a music fan, I'm always like... L- digging through the bins, looking for records. And guess which record I found? My hands were trembling. I collect political records, like I found a a Spiro Agnew record, I found a Gold in My Ear record. But when I found that Poppy Family record, I was so stoked with Terry Jacks which way are you going Billy do you know that tune
2: I do know that tune and I also know seasons in the sun that you played guitar on it people can see you playing guitar oh, yeah. on
4: seasons in the sun Terry Jacks yeah man what? Terry Jacks rocks
2: so whose idea was season the sun was that Kurt or was that you
4: like, i don't remember whose idea it was
2: because you've said over the years that kurt really wasn't into the covers as much as you like you knew the tunes so are you responsible for seasons in the sun i
4: have no idea
2: because this is a big deal in canada Kurt there's-
4: had that single when he was a kid and he told me about the b-side and he goes there's a song about a dog dying called put the bone in was-
2: there's no yes there's no blood in bone
4: something like that and it was a B-side to Seasons in the Sun.
2: Oh, amazing. Okay, well I guess Terry Jacks does deserve a respect then because there's all these articles about Terry Jacks and they always talk about how Kurt Cobain loved Seasons in the Sun but it's he good. Did. it's good that he also loved the B-side as well.
4: Well, because that's the holistic way to do it. It's the whole... It's, it's the whole package, man.
3: Wow. <laughs> That's funny. Like, I was, I've sort of always done soft rock type thing, and these guys are sort of a, uh, what do you call them? Grunge uh What do you call them? What did they call themselves? So, summed up there, Grunge Meisters. <laughs> and so it's funny that he would like stuff I did, and, um, like, you know, if you ask who my favorites are, well, I love uh, I love Little Richard and I love uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, and they don't relate to the type of stuff I do at all. I, I, I've always I'd love to be like those guys. But, you know, I was born with a certain voice, so I utilize my voice and my writing to the way I can they do
2: love your music though because quote all I know is there's a better song on the B side of the Seasons of the Sun single called Put the Bone In Kurt to MTV 1983 wow 1993 holy cow yep Put the Bone In I I guess what I'm curious is what is Put the Bone In about and what do I want it to be about (laughs) Okay, Put the Bone
3: In. I wanted to put something on the flip side of Seasons in the Sun that was so bad that it wouldn't get any airplay because previously I'd had a number one record called Concrete Sea and, you know, I was getting airplay, split airplay in all different, you know, and and it, it hurts the A-sides. So I'd written this song, a double entendre song called Put the Bone In that goes, you know, um, Put the bone in, she asked him at the store. 'Cause my doggy's been hit by a car, and I do wanna bring him home. Something, put the bone in. She begged him once more, and it sort of, and I, it was, you know, I said, okay, we're going this. So I got a couple musicians together, and I was hanging around with some of the Canucks at the time, and we got all pissed up, and we, and I says, we'll for you guys come in and sing background in this thing for me. So, so the
2: Vancouver Canucks are on background vocals for Put the Bone In?
3: Yes. If you hear those, you know, every time I say Put the Bone In, they go, Put the Bone In! Put Canucks? Oh, man. There was Dunk Wilson. Um, who are the other guys was it Schnell and or something? I, I can't remember. It, it, Harold Schneps. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, anyway, there was four, I don't know. There was there might have even been more. We were drinking, but anyway, <laughs> and then they were going some woo woo in the background, and the funny thing is, the drummer who played on Seasons in the Sun, Cat Hendricks, he played and put the bone in too, but he never heard it. Like, it was a first take. So, he, uh, you know, just played, I just sort of played the rhythm, and I says, okay, that's it, let's go. So he just sort of played along with it, and at the end, when it was all over You know I, I left this on It's actually on On the CD Because I thought it was funny He goes Oh no Because he'd never heard The song before And he was listening In his earphones As he was playing And uh, So I left that That on It's the last thing On the whole album Anyway And
2: that band Soul Asylum Actually covered it They covered Put the Bone In Oh great Okay <laughs> Did you know Many Bone covers There's Quite a few season covers How about the Bone In covers I was doing this interview, that
3: reminds me, in Germany, not long ago, and it they, they was talking about this uh, lady was interviewing me, and she says, how come your songs are all so sad? And I says, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, like, you know, Seasons in the Sun and Put the Bone in. I said, Put the Bone in isn't sad. And I, it's sort of a funny song. She says, well, oh, we don't think it's very funny over here, you know, when a dog gets hit by a car. So, like... um I didn't say any more, and I just, well, maybe it is sad.
2: <laughs> I guess I got confused because I thought when I was interviewing Chris, he was talking about there's no blood and bone, but he was actually speaking about put the bone in. You love the bone expression. There's no blood in oh, bone. There, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. <laughs> How profitable is it, Terry Jacks, to be on a Nirvana box set? How
3: profitable? I don't know. I don't know, like Seasons sold so much. I was never...
2: But I guess I was curious. You must have got some money from the Nirvana box set. I guess for future songwriters, if they end up on a Nirvana box set, what could they possibly expect?
3: Well, um, you, you won't believe this, but I didn't take any... I, I didn't have a lawyer in those days. I was 29, 30 years old. 30 years old when I did Seasons. And the money was pouring in because it you know went so, so big. It went... 12 million the first year and 14 million the next you know and I I just uh, I I didn't get any credit for writing and I wrote Jacques Brel said I should have got a third of it so um, that's the way it goes if I would have got a lawyer and you know I could have easily got it because he would have okayed it
2: but so it didn't matter anyway I find the less I got the happier I am (laughs) Clive Davis his name is on the record why is his name on the record on the record on what record? Did he produced Seasons in the Sun? No, he had nothing to do with
3: Seasons in the Sun. He, his name isn't even on the record. I'd love to see that record.
2: I guess I was looking on Discogs, and it said, like, produced by Terry Jacks and Clive Davis.
3: Unbelievable. I, someone's got to take that off, because he gave me this terrible song to sing called Let's All Sing a Song About America, and that was one of the reasons I got out of that contract because is that the one that John Lennon said was no good yes that's it he's trying to tell me he says oh to have a Canadian sing this this is going to be a smash hit this song was written by the guys who wrote Tile Yellow whatever around my tree or something Tile Little you know um, Levine and Brown and this song was called let's all sing a song about America and it went come on sing out strong for America they put the knife to her and they turned out the lights in her America And I thought the song was just the worst thing I'd ever heard. And he says, well, look, we'll pay for it. Uh, you know, the whole thing. And if you don't like it, it doesn't come out. I did this incredible production on this song. and But it, it was just a terrible song. I couldn't sing it. It was just awful. He came in the studio and he was singing, let's all sing a song. He had his earphones on trying to get me in the mood. And I says, this song is terrible. So I'm up doing this production. I had all these women singing out of phase. And it was really neat. It was a great production, I had a cannon going off and but it was such a terrible song so Lennon was downstairs recording with Phil Spector. So I'm working with the engineer and the assistant engineer and all of a sudden the the door opens and this guy comes in and sits down and I look around I says, man, that looks like John Lennon. So I sort of said to him, the engineer, I says, I think John Lennon's in there. and he says, uh, yeah, that's John So anyway, John's listening away, and, and it, it so happens I was doing all this band track stuff, and it was really neat stuff. And then I said, "Oh, I guess I'm going to have to listen to my voice, where it's going in, how it relates to these different things I'm doing. I had a mock vocal on. So I put it on, and Lennon says, wow. He says, I love what you're doing with the production. And he said, but that song really sucks. And I just sort of smiled. <laughs> and that was it. It was a terrible song. And that was the only thing Clive Davis ever had to do with me. So I don't know why. I'd like to see that. That should be taken off of there. Because I didn't get paid all my money by those guys, too. I had to, I had to get a, an accountant and a lawyer and everything. And I'm not even going to get into that.
2: Well, Terry Jacks, I was also curious, the paper boy, what was his name? And did you thank him? Can you tell people that? The paper boy. And did you thank him for Seasons in the Sun? Do you remember his name? Oh, man, that was so long ago, and I, I knew his He's name. He's an important fellow, isn't he, the Paperboy?
3: The Paperboy. Yeah, he came around, and I just, I was going away. I had my own record company at the time, Goldfish Records, and I was going away, and I um, had just had the number one record, Concrete C, and I didn't know what was going to be my next single. So um, I'd been playing these tapes, and the Paperboy came in, and he says, oh, can I listen to someone? And I played, it and I played him that, and he says wow I really like that I says oh that's neat he says oh that's really neat so he came he came by the next day with about six friends and they all listened to it and they all really liked it Seasons in the Sun yeah and so I says I'm going with that and uh, I call him the, I gave him credit on the back of the album the Copper Cove Kids because I lived in a place called Copper Cove and um, so, um, so I, thank you to the Copper
2: Cove Kids that's what you remember really yeah it was uh, it was neat yeah, sorry. Do you keep everything, Terry Jacks? Do you keep everything? Because it's a Regenerator reissued that's been put out to 40 songs, 40 years. It's incredible, all the master tapes. Like, Regenerator went through all those tapes. Well, you know, I'm very fortunate because,
3: you know, I had, from the beginning, I learned a lot when I was 16, 17 in the business. You know, I hitchhiked down to Los Angeles after one of the... Uh, the guy who took over for Buddy Holly after he died, Sonny Curtis, his guitar was stolen. I had a guitar just like uh, Buddy Holly. I lent him my guitar, and he says, if you're ever down in L.A., look me up, you know. And so I was down there about six months later. I'd thrown my all my books out of the window uh, the last day of university, and I says, I'm not going back here anymore. You know, my parents wanted me to be an architect, and I didn't want to be an architect. So I got down to L.A. I think the first time or the second time I hitchhiked. You don't do that anymore. Then, then the next time I took the Maverick bus, and I went down there. And um, um, now, what was the question again? I guess
2: it was about the master tapes, going through them all, because Regenerator Records have done an amazing job. I think Larry might even be on tambourine on some of it, so I guess I was curious about, you've kept all these. It must have been a lot of work to go through all these tracks, like all these tapes that you've kept.
3: Yeah, well, you see... I own them. That's that's what I was getting into, you know. I'd had songs stolen from me. Back in the surf days, there was a song called Little Old Lady from Pasadena. Well, basically, the guts of that song were written by me. And I'd send it down to some people in the States and they took the idea out of it and the chorus. And all of a sudden, you know, some of my friends were saying, hey, Jax, your record's on the radio and it's nobody, uh, uh, you know... Um, Do you have the acetate of that that you could release? Um, no, it's... It's quite different. It's it, I've got the chorus, the "Go Granny Go" thing, and all this, you know. Like it's, it, it was, it was sort of a put down, a grandmother dragging a car. It's called Granny's Rail, the one I did, you know. A rail was a dragging car, and um, um, so it was. Anyway, I I thought my name would be on the record, you know, as as writing part of it, but my name wasn't. So then that's when I learned about copywriting and 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 publishing and protecting your stuff, and um, so I uh, what did I do? I um, formed my own publishing company and I uh, formed my own record uh, label, and uh, I just kept all my tapes. And when I did things for World distribution all that I kept all my rights for Canada so I owned all the tapes in Canada which I don't know any other major artists you know in, in the past who had have done this and that really pays off especially nowadays because you can put a cd out like this and I can sell it anywhere in the world as an import because people because I own the tapes but if I was signed worldwide I wouldn't have any control and that's why you know instead of doing a, a deal with Sony you know uh, on this this um new CD which is an anthology it's 40 of the best things that I think that I've done this um, CD so instead of giving it to somebody I had more personal touch with it you know I could make sure all the sounds were just right and all all, all the written stuff was correct and um, and it was it really worked out well I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled over this package I mean I can't believe Regenerator Records did it
2: have you seen the package? It's incredible nice little booklet Jamie did the liner notes Larry on tambourine I love it I didn't know he played tambourine. What did he play tambourine? I was just joking about that. Okay, <laughs> Terry Jacks, you like barnyard animals, don't you?
3: I like animals. My my daughter just qualified for the uh, Brazil Olympics. She it's a real sea biscuit story. I'll tell you this quick. She um, after you know one of my divorces, she went. Um, uh, back east, was sweeping barns and all that. Ten years later, she's one of the best uh, riders in Canada. And my dad, before he died, had given her two thousand bucks, and she was breezing horses at racetracks. That's you know, sort of teaching them to go into to go into the uh, to the gates and all sorts of stuff like that. And so she had this two thousand dollar horse. She trained it. She was offered a quarter of a million dollars for the horse, and now she's up against you know five hundred thousand to a million dollars horses with this little horse the little thoroughbred that she has and um so i've liked animals i had a big um Ranch up in Pemberton
2: Meadows, you know, huge ranch. Well, that's what I want to ask you about, Terry. The barnyard animals on the back of this record right here, poppy seeds, if you could just hold this for a second. What exactly is going on here? I heard that to take this photo that you guys had to massage the bull's balls and also pat the asses. And I noticed there are no hands visible. There's, another, there's a hand missing there. So what is going on here? Who told you this. That is absolute
3: bullshit, if you want to get into it. this is. A, but this is an interesting... Uh, cow this was uh, this is uh, is a uh, what is your hand doing (laughs) my hand I don't know what my hand is doing (laughs) my hand is just probably um, I don't know maybe I'm holding his tail down so he won't do anything I don't know Um, but no I had a ranch up in Pemberton Meadows and um, this isn't on the ranch this is on the
2: Sunshine Coast and no, of course I like animals. Well, a, I like all animals. Amazing shot, though. And may, off the Poppy Seeds LP. I love the back cover. It's amazing there, Terry. Yeah, it is a strange one. Uh, <laughs> but I was curious also, Susan, when she was playing tambourine and bean pod, did she have to wear like hockey pads so she didn't get hurt on the legs? No, cause she, she got bruises. She played a uh, a bean pod.
3: We called it, I called it Peterson's Bean Pod because I had taken it from the chessmen. So it's a little bean pod. It goes chick, chick chick and the tambourine. So she just get bruises, you know, and I guess maybe putting makeup on the bruises. <laughs> know.
2: The Poppy family, you had such an amazing look. This is, if, yeah, you, if it, you can, if it, you can, what I would really want to show you. There is the Keith Richard um, outfit, okay? Incredible. There it is. And did she get one custom made to look like no. it? How did that happen? It's
3: a moose, uh, this is made of moose um, um, leather, and that's, I guess, made of cow leather and got that in Soho.
2: So so here are you and Susan. Now, Susan and you had an amazing look. And Susan, she was showing her belly button before Shania Twain. Pretty much a pioneer, eh? Hmm. I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was That's... the look like? What did, would you describe the look like and how did people like the look? I know they love the look. They loved the belly buttons, um, didn't they?
3: I never even thought of that. I just, uh, I don't know. I found out. I found out the other day that I'm one-sixteenth um, First Nations. Like I'm one, my great-great-grandmother was a uh, Cree. So I don't know, I've got a lot of uh, friends who are First Nations. and:
2: You also love Bowen Island. Was the cover of a good thing lost taken on Bowen Island? Bowen Island? The Good Thing Lost reissue CD. There's a picture of you on a bridge in Bone Island, and I think you're holding a gun with Susan. Oh, that's Gambier
3: Island, and that's Centre Bay on Gambier Island. No, it's West Bay. I went by there the other day in a ferry. That's really funny. Well, I go back and forth, you know, because I live in the Sunshine Coast, and I happened to be looking in there, and I thought of that picture. That was on West... Um, James O'Meara took that picture, and it was on uh, West Bay, and uh, just the old uh, wharf that came out from there. Yeah, that was Do you still a- have the gun, air gun. I've got that. Yeah, oh,
2: it's-, it's an air gun. Air gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about this in the Poppy family. You had such amazing stuff, Terry. You had Poppy family stationery, Poppy family business cards. Who put all this stuff together? It is so amazing that you had all these little tidbits here.
3: Well, these are the Poppy family, but I had Gone Fishing stuff too. That's really unique. You didn't get any of those? I haven't seen that yet. I should give you, that's what's, uh, you know, I had different companies. The first company I had was Poppy Family uh, Productions. And then I had, in the States, I had Rockfish Music in Canada. The Sunfish Music and uh, Goldfish Records all to do with fishing. Anyway, I put them all together into one company called Gone Fishing Music LTD. He did the logo because the logo is the logo looks is really good. O'Mara. James O'Mara. He was brilliant. He did, um, and Carrie Waghorn did some stuff too that was really good, you know, an album cover and other stuff. But this is, uh, James did that and um, James did that.
2: <laughs> Bring a pillow. What's the deal with bringing a
3: pillow? Oh. We called them sock hops because we weren't a dance band. You know, we sort of like when I found the name, the poppy family, I, it's actually in an Oxford dish dictionary. It says poppy family. And I thought, wow, that's unique. Poppy with the word family. And it said a varied species of flowering plant. And I said, wow, we were playing a variety of music. I'm going to get back to your answer for your question in a second. But we were playing a varied uh we were playing. It's so a little bit folk, a little bit country, a little bit pop, a little bit rock, and so I like the idea of poppy family. It was a, a varied, and it, we were in the middle of the sort of the uh, psychedelic era. You know, lots of uh, dope and all this kind of stuff, and so poppy fit in there perfect. Um, plus, uh, the area of the flower child. So we've got the poppy and we got, and family like Susan and I, you know, we got married for a while. And so, <laughs> and, um, it was just the perfect name. And I says, that's the name, the poppy family. So when we went around, people wanted to hear us cause you know, we were getting some hit records, but, um, they didn't know what to do so we just say hey bring a pillow and we used to play at noon hours and after school and stuff and they'd go to their gymnasium and they'd sit down on their pillows so we call them uh, ins- uh, you know
2: what do we call them well, i was curious terry jacks we have right here bring a pillow what can you tell the people about these particular gigs that were happening look bring a, bring a pillow bring a pillow yeah we call them pillow hops Instead of or
3: instead of sock hops, you know, sock hops where, where the group would be, you know, everyone would be jumping around, jiving. Well, ours was a pillow hop, and uh, or yeah, so
2: much, so much pillowing, it, so much, bus? so much pillowing I here.
3: Don't believe this?
2: I, I don't
3: believe this. I never even saw these. You know, our last gig was in uh, Cyprus. That was interesting. The Poppy family, we were playing on Cyprus, and it was New Year's Eve. And there was big conflicts between the Turks and the Greeks, you know, Asia and Europe. And there were guys actually with machine guns on both sides. And when, say, the Turks would really clap after a number, the Greeks wouldn't clap at all and vice versa it was a strange thing there was a lot of hatred and they were trying new year's eve to bring it together it was put on by the united nations so it was an interesting gig
2: how about this particular gig the poppy family on the village bistro an important place in vancouver that's
3: where we yeah that was uh, the place the poppy family sort of started out and then our first um our first gig out of the city was uh, a place called blubber bay up in texade island uh, and then we played at a little um, the bottom of a church in Powell River called the Dugout.
2: Pender Harbor, yeah, yeah. British Columbia, Canada. Yeah. Ope for a Winfrey, the Aga Khan, Robin Williams and Terry Jacks all hang out there? I didn't know. I heard
3: Ope for a Winfrey. She might have been there. Um, Robin Williams, he owned a little island there. In fact, my daughter and my daughter's, uh, one of her friends and I, we were fishing out in front and we were asked to come into the place um, because One of the guys that was out in the boat, I'd played down in uh, Disneyland, and he recognized me. And he said, oh, come on in. He says, I'm up here with Robin Williams. So I said, oh, great. So we went in there, and Robin Williams uh, offered my daughter and her friend some chocolate cake, and I was out hitting some golf balls off the uh, wharf. And he was sort of doing this little British thing then, you know. He was... Uh, uh, he had sunglasses on. He was, uh, I, I guess, he was practicing for some gig or something, and all that. I didn't talk too much. The girls talked to him more than I did.
2: It was pretty surreal. Like you're just out in your boat, and Robin Williams is on an island. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a
3: little island that he owned. The Eric Collin owned it before that, and then he owned it and. It, it was under a, a number name. It wasn't under Robin Williams because, you know, he'd flown over the thing and he'd seen it from the air and, you know, and the price was there and he just bought it. And he he wasn't there very often, I hear, only a very few times. How
2: about the Ruby Lake Resort for food?
3: It's very good. That's Aldo. He's a chef out there. He does delicious stuff out there.
2: Thank you, the Beach Boys. Thank you to Beach Boys. Beach Boys are great.
3: Oh, golly, I was down there producing them, you know, after... When Brian was having all that trouble, um, you know, with his ear, and then he was into some stuff that they was screwing him up. And uh, Carl and Al Jardine, they'd asked me to come down and produce him. And I said, oh, What an honor, man. Like, wow. I was the only other guy besides Brian who'd ever produced him. So. Thankfully, they said no, too. Two Seasons in the Sun. Well, they didn't say no. It never got finished. I
2: got... Thank you it didn't get finished.
3: <laughs> well, thank you it didn't get finished. Yeah, thank you I uh, went and did it myself. But it was... Um, uh, I worked so hard on it, but it was a, a horror scene working down there because they were all had little spats between them and, you know, Mike Love would be in there in a guru outfit on a watermelon fast with some young chick and other guys were... Dennis was hanging around out in the desert with the Manson group and you know and all the girls and he came home and his windows were well broken once I I, I was putting the voices on you know one at a time and then and, and Brian didn't want to sing the high part and he sang the high part the best so the engineer would take the tape home and I got such a mess because you know I put so much energy into this because I thought like wow the Beach Boys were like as big as the Beatles at that time in in, in the US and this was such an honor and you know but they'd I'd, I'd been you know I'd had a few hits with other people and, you know, they knew that I liked their stuff and they liked the, the work I'd been doing. So that's why they had me down, I guess. But I just couldn't finish it. I, I just went home and um, I was a nervous wreck. I, I literally, I was stumbling. I mean, I was just... Uh, Did you get to stand in the
2: sandbox at all? Oh, yes.
3: The sandbox. I walked through Brian's long, long refrigerator, which was the length of the room. He showed me through that and then he'd have to take off to it. What's in
2: the refrigerator?
3: Everything. And then he'd take off to his little shack where he was selling organic vegetables. You know, probably the first guy in North America to sell organic vegetables. You know, like, he was getting off on that. And then, uh, oh, there was a lot of things going on in that house. Um, yeah.
2: I noticed. <laughs> the
3: sandbox. Yeah, you know the sandbox but the cat was crapping in it all the time. The piano was in the sandbox. So
2: that's true. That really actually existed.
3: Yeah. Yeah. To get
2: the cat out of the sandbox, it was just too much of a temptation. They would hide
3: the stuff on the end of the sand, I guess, but I maybe they had somebody clean it up. I don't know. I I was just... I remember being in the swimming pool, too, and you couldn't see who was at the other end of the swimming pool because the swimming pool sort of went halfway around the house. And I remember the cars parked in the lot. I mean, there's a, like a Nassin Martin, a Ferrari, a Bentley, a Rolls Royce, and one, somebody wanted to get one of the cars out, and you know, they all sort of jammed in. There was... I mean, those guys who were making so much money. The decadence was just overwhelming for me. You know, like I I like to be up my little, well, my big ranch up north and in in Canada or up on the water. I just, I couldn't take that feeling down
2: there. I just... Well, it's great that they invited you down because I noticed that picture in Teen Scene Magazine of 1965 era of you and Al Jardine together in 65. That's super early. You contacted him that early in 65, Al Jardine?
3: No, I didn't contact them. Um, first time I think I m- met the guys was in uh, Wallace's or Wallach's Music Center in Hollywood, the big music record store. A couple of uh, of the guys were in there. I later interviewed them. You know that on CBC. He's a cop. Yes, I interviewed them, and I interviewed the Everly Brothers, who were. You know, uh, some of my mentors also, and that was neat because, like, you know, I'm 21 years old. and I'm interviewing uh, these guys. I remember the uh, I, I've still got those on tape, and I remember the um, my friends still bugged me about some of the things I asked the Everly Brothers because they were right at the top of the charts, and I was saying things like, uh, you know, you guys must make a lot of money, eh? <laughs> And then I'd say, what else did I say? Uh, do you ever, uh, you know, help other groups out with your money? And <laughs> it was just, uh, you know, stuff I'd never say now. But, you know, you're young. And-
2: do you have any of the copyrights for Seasons in the Sun? Because you were saying you didn't make as much money as you could have. Do you still have the copyrights? Do you have them now for Seasons in the Sun? Oh, I own the, the Masters
3: for Canada, yeah. And I can do what I want with them in Canada. That's why we put them on this album. And, you know, people can buy them in the rest of the world uh, as an import. You know
2: Seasons in the Sun Was released in like Venezuela Some interesting countries Do you have any Interesting stories About the releases Foreign releases Of your music Like the Poppy Family Billy EP Came out in the Singapore district In Singapore Like all this great stuff Like anything Anything about The foreign pressings Well that was a, Obviously a A
3: bootleg Or something That Poppy Family one it shouldn't Have come out there Um Foreign pressings Well I remember Seasons uh, Was number one In uh in The Philippines, and I was there, and they were telling me how much it had sold, and it was. and I never got a cent from there on it. And uh, I do remember when I went to um, Germany, they wanted me to sing it in German, and I said, I don't speak German. And they said, Oh, we'll teach you one line at a, a time, phonetically, we'll go through the song, and um, so that's when I said, Okay, I uh, well, I you know, I'm young, then I says, Okay, I just want. Some wine and some sausages, and we just we'll just work through the
2: whole thing. phonetically.
3: <laughs> so anyway, um, it went you know like sausage, and then the next line some wine, next line sausage, next line wine, next line more wine, next line more wine, line, more wine and so on. And by the end of the song, it deteriorated. So they decided that um, you know they did release it, but the English version went to number one in Germany, but the the, the German version didn't. <laughs>
2: Was it like dealing with KTEL? KTEL Records put out some of your yeah. stuff. KTEL. KTEL.
3: Well, that's all right. KTEL just gathered up a, a group of, of the songs you know, some Poppy Family songs and uh, uh, some Terry Jack songs and put them out. And um, that was after they'd uh, been hits. And you know, they 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 sell a lot. They used to do that kind of stuff on TV. You know, all, all, they did that with lots of artists.
2: Terry, what did you think about record executives? Like, for instance, did you have to have them come up to your house? Like, you brought them over to your house in West Van to listen to music sometimes? Yeah, I guess so. Like on Whitecliff, You had, like, a nice place on Whitecliff in West Van, and, like, you had nice windows, and, like, you'd sit down and you'd play them the tunes, the record execs? That
3: was Isleview
2: in West Van. Isleview, right. Um,
3: Whitecliff was in Madeira Park up north. That's right you know all that stuff anyway but which is scary i don't know <laughs> um yeah they'd come around uh, and they'd want to see what i was doing what would be the next stuff and all that you know what i was producing what i was writing you know they they became friends lots of them
2: You'd sit them down and they'd be looking at the nice view of house sound or whatever. I heard that one time you were playing some tracks and you were kind of getting a bit bored and you kind of snuck behind the record execs and you might have flashed a record execs without them knowing, but a reflection ended up in the mirror and the record exec saw that you were flashing them. (laughs) I
3: was pretty crazy in those days. I don't remember that, but that's easily possible. I used to, yeah, I used to like my wine. (laughs) I still like my wine but I control it now you know
2: what's interesting Terry the ballad of wood fiber still important today what can tell people the ballad of wood fiber sung by an 82 year old guy Charlie was my fishing buddy and
3: um, he owned all the property up at Brandywine Falls which is on the way to Whistler there were quite a few acres there and the first time he was just a little guy a really neat little Irish guy and um he called himself an Irish tenor, I think. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was fishing underneath the falls at Brandywine once, and I and I'd fallen in. And I was soaking wet, so I had to go up past his cabin. This is way back in the sixties or something. And so he gave me a pair of his pants to wear that were dry, and it was really funny because you know, like he was way shorter than I, and they were way up my up to my knees. And we became good fishing buddies, so we'd go fishing all over the place. And my grandfather was the same age. Charlie died when he was 83. So I'd take these two old guys out fishing, and we had the greatest time. Uh, in fact, Charlie, he, um, I was in Kauai scuba diving. Or no, 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 snorkeling. And he was snorkeling with me. And he, I thought it was a heart attack, so I dragged him into the sailboat where we've been snorkeling after, and I had to give him mouth to mouth, which you know it's it's kind of you don't really like to do that to an old guy, but uh, I did anyway. He was my friend, but I couldn't re- revive him. His his arteries had just um, you know, they'd uh, all Flogged uh, up. Flogged up. That's right. Yeah. So um, he uh, he died right there, and uh, you know, laying and he'd never got married. He had five girlfriends. He always he said, said, you know, don't ever get married. Just, you know, like, um," which I did a lot of times. So anyway, <laughs> but no, let me tell you more about Charlie. Um, Look, so, he so he died laying on his back looking at the sun, 84 years old. I mean... That's pretty nice.
2: And I think it's so awesome you preserved his memory, but it's released on the Brown Sound record label. And what I find interesting is when I looked up Brown Sound, quote, Brown Sound, the low frequency that causes people to shit their pants. Wow. Is that why you named it Brown no. Sound? No.
3: this He was singing about a, uh, one of the pulp mills on How Sound, and, it, and what they were doing they were, you know, pumping so much pollutants into the air and water, instead of calling it house sound, I I, I put it out under the name brown sound because, uh, you know, they, all sorts of things had happened. They were closed. You know, the smell would be so bad, even in Horseshoe Bay, you'd have to close the windows. And then they had closed it because a shellfish would dioxins and furans and terrible carcinogenic things that were being pumped into the water and at one time house sound was full of oysters oysters are like the canary in the mill they're the first things to go there's not an oyster in house sound anymore i I don't want to get in the environment i spent 10 years you know um, going after government and industry for just being in bed together and letting things run amok
2: Terry, look at the local influence we have here. Do you recognize the cover of this band, Chains of Love, the cover of the LP? If you can look at the front and look at the back, if you turn it over. This is Terry Jacks looking at the Chains of Love. They're from Vancouver, BC. Do you notice anything about the cover of this record? Does it bring back any memories to you? Really? So what's that got to do with the Poppy family? The Chains of Love took a still from the Beyond the Clouds video and used it as the cover and back cover of their LP. Isn't that interesting?
3: Holy cow. No, there's lots of things I don't know about <laughs> the group I was in, in. my. I think
2: that's so cool. Like the Beyond the Clouds video, yeah. they just took a still from it and used it for the cover of their LP. Like that's They're, the influence. Is that a new group or something? And That's a new group from Vancouver, B.C. Changes. They're called Chains of Love. Oh. And they love you that much that they use a still from the Beyond the Clouds video that was, I guess, on YouTube and use it for the cover of their LP. Like, that's the influence that your music has had over the years, Terry. Wow, that's, that's that's wonderful. And it yeah. continues on there, too, because The Poppy Family, Which Way You're Going, Billy LP, was used as a backdrop at the Louvre in Paris by Rodney Graham from Vancouver. He used it as a backdrop. He brought your album cover to use as a backdrop when his band played the Louvre. Wow. All right. That's nice. Well, I think it's great because he was thinking, i got to bring some great Canadian album cover, some great Canadian music to the Louvre. Yeah. And he thought about... Which way are you going, Billy?
3: Oh, I say, I thought he used the cow one with my hand up the cow's butt. No, baboom. <laughs>
2: okay. Have you seen your stuff turn up in interesting places like that that you weren't expecting? You know, Chains of Love album covers at the Louvre. Where's the most unexpected place that you've seen stuff come up? I oh. guess I'll tell you. I just
3: thought I, I was trying to. There are a lot of weird places, but I was in Hong Kong in 1975. And I went to the border, and we couldn't go into Red China then, you know, because, you know, and you could see the rice fields and everything, and all these guys working, and they had big um, speakers playing for for everybody who was, you know, picking rice and all that in the fields. And this was Red China, Communist China. And over the speakers, when I was there, they were playing Seasons in the Sun. Now, that was weird, 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 you know?
2: Terry Jackson, what's the difference between producing DOA and Nana Muscuri?
3: It's all music. You just got to capture, you know, what's coming from their hearts, and um, you know, uh, Joy, you know, was uh, Joy Shithead was great in what he did, and he wanted to uh, do where evil grows, and and we donated the money to um, um, to uh, fighting. Uh, the, the pulp mail pollution that was going on, and, and Anonymous Curry, um she, um I don't know, at the time she was the biggest selling uh, female artist in the world. She sang in four different languages. Now I'm talking about way, way back, you know, when I did her. and But she had just a beautiful voice and she sang right from her heart. So it, it, to me it was exciting. I just, you know, um, I like to take a person as a producer. The first thing you've got to do is find the song. You've got to find that great song, and you've got to find that song that works well with their voice. And then the producer, all he is is a catalyst. He gets r- rid of all the uh, bad things that singer has and polishes all the good things. And, but before that, it's got to be the right singer for the right song. And that's all a producer does is bring them together and gets the right instruments and the right arrangement. And it's, it's fun doing all different types of music like, like that, you know?
2: Terry, did you live at the foot of 24th Street in West Vancouver in an apartment? Yes. What songs are written
3: there? Golly, I, on, on this new album, there's one called Of Cities and Escapes. It starts out, I live in a one-room apartment with windows on one side. I, scare, I stare through the glass across the water to where the big, ugly city lies. I hear it, I see it, I feel it with my eyes, and I'm caught in the grip of the city, a life I despise. And then it goes, I like that. It's one of my favorite songs. And then it goes, um... Um. Uh, what happens then um, I, to I wake with a groan it's a phone what news can it bring shit let it ring the paper lies crumpled at the floor uh, the, the cr- paper lies crumpled at the door politics and war and, and there goes uh, I don't know it goes on and on but it's a, it's a neat song but I was really young when uh, I did that I did that um, uh, the London Philharmonic played in the background on that that's on the album
2: that building is still there at the foot of 24th Street. It's like that big apartment right near the seawall, right?
3: Right. Harry Jerome lived uh, just below us. It was just a one-room apartment, the bed and everything in one room, you know, the um, kitchen and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Winding up here, Terry, I want to ask you about the Music Hop review here, Terry. What is going on here? You are not pictured. Were you on this? Because Susan Jax is on this.
3: No. The reason I got on this show later is because... Well, I got to say something about the chessmen, you know, like um, we were an instrumental group and uh, um, I was going to get kicked out of the group because I wasn't a good enough guitar player. So uh, I wrote this song called The Way You Fell and um, went in the studio and recorded it and I put a harmony on with my voice and all that and everybody liked it. So all of a a sudden I was a singer. And so the record went to number four in Vancouver, higher than our uh, instrumental Meadowlands, the Way You Fell went to number four. So all of a sudden, they want me on TV. So I'm on TV doing, doing this song, and um, um, I'd been writing all these other songs, like Beyond the Clouds and all these things, and I was looking for the right singer because I was writing songs that... Uh, they were, I wanted a really good natural-type singer, and that's where I first met Susan. And uh, she had an unaffected voice, and I thought, well, you know... I think this might work so I got together with her and we did a gig together just me just playing guitar and her singing and then we added uh Craig McCaw and then we added uh Satwant and then they left for India and um the group uh, broke up and um no no actually I, we had some other guitarists John um John Murray played guitar with us for a while he played with Papa Bear's Medicine show he was a great guitarist so we played some more um, um things around in the group uh, broke up so then but I was on TV there and that's uh, I guess uh, after this you know this is at the beginning but you how, how do you know all this stuff you you aren't that old
2: well you're Terry Jacks we have to know <laughs> that's your job <laughs> Terry I was curious though the Poppy family experience last summer did some gigs without you was, you weren't in it did you see any videos of that what did you know about the Poppy family experience Craig was involved with that and Satwant and Susan no, well, they can't call it the Poppy
3: Family because Susan and I were the Poppy Family, you know, and then, um, so I guess they call it the Poppy Family Experience, you know, because I guess they did some Poppy Family songs that I'd written and all that, but um, I, I, I'm busy doing the Terry Jack stuff, you know, like I, you know, I play in Europe, I do television shows over there and I do, um, you know, gigs with these old groups and all that and it's kind of kind of neat, you know, playing with a Manford Man and... And I just, uh, my last gig over there was um, a TV show in Paris last year, and it was like 58 million viewers, all the different French countries in the world. Procol Haram was on the group, and who else?
2: Procol Heron, Gypsy Kings, Earth, Wind & Fire. I saw the video on YouTube. It was like quite a hip audience, too. You got people out of their seats dancing. Well, that was, yeah, that's just a studio audience,
3: but it was mainly, you know, a, a broadcast around the world none of Scurry was on there too
2: and I hadn't seen her for ages and she's 84 now man Ooh, wow was- Terry what about the California Poppy Pickers do you remember that band with Gary Paxton other poppy name band did you ever hear about the California Poppy Pickers never but Gary Paxton
3: I know uh, of him obviously I knew all the old records in those days and all that
2: Terry, in the 1980s, did you stay at home during Halloween and hand out candy? Probably. Cuz in the 1980s, I tried to find you in West Vancouver. Is that right? We looked in the phone book. How old were you we looked in the phone book for t Jacks, and we went to this place. It was near a Dairy Queen in West Van, and on top of it, there was an apartment. We rang the buzzer because it was a Jacks, but it wasn't t Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never lived near a Dairy Queen. <laughs> is, there, is there another t Jacks in West Van? There might be. Because we were like, hey, it's t Jacks, Terry Jacks. He did Seasons in the Sun, and they didn't know who it was. We were so sad.
3: Is that ever funny? You must have been a little boy.
2: Have people trick or treated at your house? So quite a bit.
3: Well, in the old days, yeah. Not where I live now. I'm up in Haida Gwaii too. You know, I've got a place up in the park up there. I, I bought the property 20 years ago, on the beach. It's I keep moving from Vancouver North Van, West Vancouver, Horseshoe Bay, Pender Harbour. Now Haida
2: Gwaii. <laughs> How about Stewart Island? Hole in the wall. Ever been fishing up at oh, Stewart Island? Yeah. Oh yeah. Why have you? Yeah, I've been through there. It's quite an amazing hole in the wall, Stewart Island. It's it's lovely,
3: yeah, yeah. I caught um, uh, probably the biggest um, coho I'd ever caught there, 17-pound uh, coho in the hole in the wall, right there, right that little area that goes right through there. It's sort of dangerous, too, with yeah. the tides. You have to be very careful. You get sucked under if you're in a boat, at least. You're so right. Just around, you know, just as you go in the hole in the wall, just to the right there, there's sort of a little bay there, and that's uh, when the tide changed. I guess some of the feed lies in there, and I caught that.
2: Lastly, winding up here, Terry, record geek question for you. Not that these haven't been record geek questions, but I was curious. London Records, who you were assigned to with the Poppy family, had the 1700 series. Most thing was numbered 1700, but the Poppy family records were all numbered 100 and up. Do you have any reason why that might have happened? No clue. No clue. I don't... Do you know? No, I guess I was just curious. And I was also curious, who signed you to London? Was it the same guy that signed the Painted Ship from Vancouver who were on London Records? Who signed you to London? Actually, the first guy
3: who introduced me to London was Red Robinson. He... Uh, that was with... Um, we had the song cut Meadowlands by the Chessmen, and I didn't know what to do it. and I'd been talking to him and he said, oh, I know somebody back there, Alice Curry. She's a vice president. He sent it to her and she released it. And... Um, then, when I had the Poppy Family stuff, uh, I went through it. You know, I, I never had a signed contract with those guys. It was a handshake.
2: Did you have to pay for your first 45 too? Did you have to pay for it? Do you know what the deal was? Because I heard with London, you had to pay for your first 45. Oh, I can't remember. In those days, none of that stuff uh, uh, cost
3: very much. I mean, which way are you going, Billy? Uh, 150 bucks or? 25 bucks, yeah. To cotton. And then later, I bought them off for 500 bucks. Uh, because
2: see, they needed money and, you know, they figured, oh, okay. So like... <laughs> I was curious about Jerry Cole and your song ending up on his LP. That's incredible. Like your first published work is like 1963, Terry. Yeah, that
3: was um, after um little old lady from Pasadena thing went. Uh, a friend of mine and I wrote this song called um, um, Build Your Castle Higher. And we sent down to a publisher, and, but I had it all copywritten. It wasn't going to get stolen or anything. And so they said, oh, they really like it down there at Capitol Records. Jerry Cole and his spaceman or something. So they, but they didn't like the name, Build Your Castle Higher, which was a cool name. So they changed it to Midnight Surfer and it was a California hit, you know.
2: <laughs> what was it like trying to pitch your songs in the 60s in LA? Were you like knocking on doors? Were you mailing stuff down a lot?
3: Just mailing. I got a couple of contacts, so I just sent them down, and they'd look at it. And, you know, you got to be careful. Sometimes they take the guts out of it, the best stuff, and they it come out in another record. And that's why I I, I wanted to not do that anymore. I said, I'm going to make my own records. Terry,
2: have you been confused with anybody? Bill Clinton?
3: There's a story that'll blow your mind. Uh, I don't know where you got this story. Um, before my mom died, I'd taken her down to... Um, um Leconer uh the Tulip Festival and you know um I I just wanted to spend some time with her you know uh, she still was able to uh get around and stuff so we went down there and we went to this little place this restaurant and it was a a nice restaurant funky restaurant and everything and you know I had a suit on my hair was uh much shorter and I go in there with her and um I just said oh uh, can you uh, get us a nice seat oh of course you know and they were just really nice to me and all that and I had no reservations or anything so I got a great seat a whole you know, seat for six people and they put me there and they're smiling anything you want you know what we can make up special stuff and I said God this is quite the restaurant and um, the power of seasons in the sun well no way you hear this so then we're sitting down and everything goes on and it didn't occur to me until halfway through the dinner, like when the, the, head, the, the, the head guy who owned the restaurant came along, he says, well, would you remind, mind if I called you Bill? They thought I was Bill Clinton. Okay? Now, what do you think of that? Boom! Was boom. boom. Anything else you want to add to the people out there? Um, golly. Oh, my life has been so clogged with wonderful, incredible things. Um, oh. What can I say? I've just been truly blessed. I don't know.
2: Why should people care about Terry Jacks? Why should people care?
3: Mm, I don't know. I don't know why they should care about me. I'm just another person. <laughs> just another slob on the bus.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Terry Jacks. Keep on rocking in the free world and do-do-do-do-do.
3: Bom bom. bum bom. <laughs>
4: This is Red Robinson. Hold on for the bone.
0: Put the bone in, she asked him at the store. Cause my doggie has been hit by a car. I do want to bring him home something put the bone in she begged him once more the meat from the pork is sweet give the bone from the pork meat to me Put the bone in She begged him As she paced by a car
2: Still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there, Terry Jacks with Put the Bone In. And before that, an interview with Terry Jacks. To end the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show today, thought I would play a bunch of tracks here... From the Chessmen, Terry Jack's early band. In fact, this is some live Chessmen, where they change Twist and Shout into Twist and Pull, and they do an interesting version of Louie Louie, recorded live probably at a frat house. So here's the Chessmen from probably like 64 or 65, featuring Terry Jacks with Twist and Pull and Louie Louie on... Denard War de Human Serviette Radio Show. Oh! It is not wanting us to transmit all the way back to the year 1966. It is giving this sort of sign which means, uh uh-oh, we shouldn't play that unauthorized track. However, we do have something else we thought that you might enjoy here on the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it is, if I just reach way over here into the deep, dark recesses, of the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show. If we reach way down, we can find it right here. We have some more Chessmen of uh, different varieties for you to enjoy. And here we go with some live Chessmen. Not sure of the tracks that we're going to hear at the moment, but here it goes on the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show. This is the Chessmen to end the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show featuring Terry jacks and it's some live recordings from his first band of chessmen then there was the poppy family as well and then terry jacks on solo so here is the chessman on the nardwar the human serviette radio show
0: Angel that you are, you still remember the summer walks. Uh-huh, nope. Nope. We'll be taking a very short break.
2: Here we go. On an Ar Human Soviet radio show, we found you some live well, chessmen.: you
0: happy Oh yes, please please to have borne them) <laughs> Big bone dance. When we say bone,
2: everybody please to look very happy.